Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. All right, there's some enthusiasm in the room today, and it feels good. It really does. And great news happening, and it's wonderful to see some faces we haven't seen in a long time, especially yours, Steve. Good morning. 14 months you haven't been able to be here, but this is, it's a great day. Yes. And uh, Steve's always been just positive, and if you've ever been able to read anything he's posted online, he keeps a great, upbeat attitude, and he's been giving all the glory to God, and it's something we all should do. Just so good, so good to be here, and we're going to talk a little bit today about things we love, like our pets. How many of you have a pet that you love? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I'm hearing clapping, right? And I, if I started talking to dog people and cat people, we'd get all kinds of things happening in the room. We're not going to go there. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about dogs, not to offend the cat people in the house, all right? Uh, lots of people have dogs and they absolutely love their dogs for sure, right? Uh, some, though, keep their dogs outside. Some might have hunting dogs, their utility uh, helpers. Uh, some ranchers have dogs that take care of the herds, look after a sheep and such. But many, many, and you know who you are. You treat your dog like family. You might actually feed them with a knife and fork, the same utensils you use. You don't have to admit it, but I've met some of you, I know, and that's all right. You know that your dog is your companion, and they're part of the family, that's for sure. And they're taken care of as such, treated as one of the family. And you know, we say that's a dog person. You know, like I said, there's dog people, there's cat people. I read this little story about a, now this is truly a dog person. And this is fairly recent news. It's from February of 2021. And uh, I'll just read you the headline. It says, Tennessee man leaves $5 million to his eight-year-old dog, Lulu. That's a dog person. All right. I'll just read you a bit of the, the, the article. One Tennessee man went above and beyond to ensure his beloved dog would be taken care of after his death. When businessman Bill Doris died last year, he left a small fortune to his eight-year-old dog, Lulu, according to WTVF. His will stipulated that upon his death, $5 million would be transferred to a trust for his border collie, Lulu. I don't really know what to think about it, to tell you the truth. He just really loved the dog, his friend Martha Burton told the outlet. In addition to being Lulu's caretaker, Burton, 88 years old, spent time with the canine whenever her previous owner was out of town on business. He always left the dog for me to take care of, Burton added, saying admiringly of the pooch, she's a good girl. And Miss Burton might be admiring because the article went on to say she'll... She'll reap some of that $5 million to take care of Lulu. So <laughs> that's a dog person. $5 million bucks to the border collie. Now, was it that way back in the first century? 
in Judea and Galilee and the surrounding areas where Jesus walked? Not really, not really. In that uh, region, there weren't really that many dog people. Uh, dogs were not really domesticated house pets uh, in, in that time and in that place. They were more often feral. They roamed in packs. Uh, they were scavengers. Their behavior was predatory. Uh, they were known to scavenge the dead things, even uh, eat the dead. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible, uh, even centuries before, that associate dogs with such bad behavior. In the books of First and Second Kings, the prophet Elijah uh, prophesies and says things like this, dogs will eat those belonging to Jer Jeroboam who die in the city. Dogs will eat those belonging to Basha who die in the city. Dogs will lick up the blood of Ahab. Dogs will devour uh, Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. And if you read First and Second Kings, then there's some graphic dis descriptions of these, at least some of these prophecies coming to pass and being fulfilled. Psalm 68, Psalm number 68, which, by the way, Brother Noah, Psalm 68 tomorrow, right? Yeah, he'll be talking a little bit about that. But there's a line, it's a long psalm. I don't know that he'll be touching on this line, but uh, it has a reference to dogs licking up the blood of enemies. So this all, all of this licking up blood and touching dead things, this was associated with uncleanness in the Jewish faith. So dogs were looked down upon. They weren't looked at favorably. And neither were pigs. Pigs were unclean. They were not to be eaten. Uh, even their carcasses were not to be touched. If so, that made you unclean. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the uncleanness of pigs. To make an offering with pig's blood, he said, was an abomination. So it was then. In Judaism, in the first century, dogs and pigs were considered dirty. And they weren't associated with holiness. And sometimes they were used as derogatory terms. To call someone a dog or a pig, it was a, it was a pejorative. It was a derogatory term. And especially when someone said you were a dog. And that had gone on for centuries too. When, if you look at the Old Testament, when Israel uh, went against uh, the Philistines and they had their great giant Goliath and Israel put up this young lad, David, to take on the giant. The giant Goliath looks out at this mere boy and he, he said, who am I? What am I, a dog? That you would send this little kid? And in the Psalms of David, he associates evildoers with dogs. He wrote several times, I'm surrounded by a pack of dogs. Now, keep all these images in mind because they're different than our, our 21st century pets. Keep this image in mind. As we move forward this morning in the Sermon on the Mount, we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, looking at applications that we can apply in our lives. We've been calling it Life Apps. 
This morning could be part number two of what we talked about last week, which was do not judge. This morning could be part two, do not judge. That could be the life app. But we simply called it don't feed the pigs. And we'll see why in just a minute. We're in Matthew chapter 7, where last Sunday we considered the opening, Jesus' teaching on judging others. And Jesus did say, do not judge. And although he said that, he didn't stop there. And we talked about that last week, that Jesus didn't forbid judging. He encouraged self-judging, first of all, looking at ourselves and dealing with our own issues and our own problems and pulling out the plank that we might have in our own eye before we would judge another, what they would have as something much less than what we were dealing with, a speck, a speck in our brother's eye, to help that brother. So we talked about judging rightly and know who it is that you were judging. Don't be a hypocrite. Jesus talked about that. He said, first take the plank out of your eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye and help him out. Then he continued. So right after that line, right after you will see clearly To remove the speck from your brother's eye, he continued. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus kept on talking and he said, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, for, for any who would say, Jesus said we cannot judge. Here we have again, Jesus clearly giving direction to judge. He said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. And he's not speaking literally here. He's not talking about literal dogs and literal pigs and what you feed them. This is a reference to people. It's figurative about people. People who are dogs and pigs. And Jesus is saying we we have to make a judgment. Who are the dogs and the pigs? We'll, to to get there, to get there, we've, we've got to realize Jesus says make a judgment, form an opinion, come to a conclusion like we talked about last week. Discern. We have to discern who, who this is and who this isn't. And this is not an easy saying, is it? We read this. We realize Jesus is speaking about people. Don't, don't put the sacred before dogs. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. And it, it's a reference to people. We want to skip it. We want to just go over this verse. It'd be easy just not to talk about it. Because it makes us uncomfortable that Jesus would be saying this. Jesus is talking about people in these terms. It's difficult. Yes, it is. It can make us uncomfortable. To say that someone's a dog, well, that might be considered even racial. Was Jesus being racist? No. No. This is not a racial expression. As it is more uh, of an expression about someone who's wicked 
perhaps even an enemy. That's the way David used the term. We mentioned that from the Psalms. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul called his fellow Jews dogs. In his letter to the Philippian church, in chapter 3, Paul wrote, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. And so he was making a reference to his own blood people who were continuing to say circumcision was necessary for salvation. Those mutilators of the flesh. And it wasn't racial as much as it was, that's outside what Jesus was all about. And then there's an example from Peter, another apostle. In his second letter, he wrote of Christians. Those, he said, who have escaped corruption of the world by knowing our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians. But Peter wrote they've become false prophets. And they're greedy and they're prideful and they're arrogant. And these Christians have become slaves to depravity. And he wrote, it would have been better for them if they'd have never really known the way of righteousness. And then Peter brought a new application to a proverb. Proverbs 26 verse 11 says, a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And Peter said, Christians, those who've escaped corruption, they've, they've turned to Christ, but now they've turned back to arrogance and pride. He's, he said, that's the fool of Proverbs chapter 26. And he wrote this in 2 Peter verse 22, right at the end of the chapter, the whole chapter, that, that, that whole second chapter is about false prophets and what they do. And Peter says, of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. It's hard to read. And a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Dogs and pigs. It's not racist. It's a warning to discern. Discern the false Christians. Discern the false prophets. And Peter went on to write, you've been forewarned. Be on your guard. So what does it mean? We must make judgments. We must discern. We've got to make a decision. We do. We, we need to make a judgment about people. And that's what Jesus said too. And first, he addressed dealing with a brother. You should deal with a brother. You judge that speck in his eye, but first you've got to deal with yourself. Get that log out of your own eye, that plank. But then he went on and he said, don't give to the dogs what's sacred. And don't throw your pearls before the pigs. Again, speaking figurative, it's not racist. He, he spoke of what was sacred. And he likened it to pearls, something very valuable. Jesus is speaking about the character of a person and judging whether that person was worthy of the sacred, the valuable, these things that are like pearls. The things of God are holy and they're very valuable, infinitely valuable. 
way more than pearls. But pearls were a sought-after gem at that time, and even now, a good pearl can be very valuable. Don't put the holy things, don't put these things that are so valuable before those who wouldn't see them as valuable. And Jesus said they might even turn on you. They might turn on you. He equated them to dogs. Remember, at that time, they were scavengers. Remember the image. They were, they, they'd eat dead things. They ran in packs. Jesus said they might turn and tear you to pieces. And pigs, too, can be aggressive. That's the image. If you toss them pearls and they think it's something to eat and discover, well, it really isn't. You tricked me. You fooled me. I was expecting something different. Then they just trample it underfoot. And Jesus said they might trample you too. So what's holy and valuable that we offer to others? What is it? What is it that we offer to others that could be like food, life-giving food that Jesus is talking about putting before dogs and pigs? Well, what is it? It's, it's the good news. That's the most valuable thing we have. The good news of Jesus Christ. That is life-giving. It's eternal life-giving. Like food. And it's the most valuable thing that we have to share with others is eternal life. The eternal life that we know in Christ alone. But Jesus seems to say, be careful. Not everyone is worthy be careful of who you feed. Now, how do we apply that? How can we apply this? We don't want to skip it. It's uncomfortable. We might not really like it, but it's the word of God. This is the word of Jesus. Let's not skip it. Let's ask, how can we apply that in our lives? Because aren't we called to share with everyone? Isn't that what we always stand up and teach and talk about? Share your faith with everyone. How, how do we reconcile that then with what Jesus is saying? Because it appears he's saying something different. Don't feed the dogs. Don't feed the pigs. Okay, don't feed the pigs. Make a judgment. Jesus is saying, make a judgment. The implication is that you are to be sharing. That's the implication of what he's saying. We ought to be sharing. We should be sharing what we have that's valuable. We should be putting our pearls before others, the pearls of eternal life, our sacred faith, our sacred pearls. It's worth way more than five million that some, someone might leave to their dog. It's worth way more. It's priceless. We can't put a number on salvation. We can't put a number on eternal life in Jesus. But who's the dog? Who's the pig that we're warned to avoid? Those who show contempt. Those who would just show contempt for Jesus. Those who would openly reject God and the things of God. In Jesus' time, there were examples. Think Pharisees. Jesus had harsh words for them. In Matthew chapter 23, he pronounces seven woes against the Pharisees. Jesus was not speaking evangelistically. He, he, he used words of judgment to these who openly rejected in him and held him in contempt. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, 
Jesus repeated it over and over again. You're dirty. You're filthy. You're hypocrites. You're full of greed. You're, you're like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You're a brood of vipers, snakes. How will you keep from being condemned to hell? Your house is left to you desolate. That's Matthew chapter 23. This is Jesus speaking to them that openly rejected him and held him in contempt. He had judged that they had held him in contempt. They had nothing but derision for him. Anything he offered, they rejected. Another example, when Jesus sent out his disciples to preach, you can read about that in Matthew chapter 10, he instructed them to be discerning and to make judgments about people. Matthew 10, 14 says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. That's making a judgment. Now there might be someone in your circle, someone at work, someone at school, someone in your neighborhoods, someone in your circle that they just won't listen to you. And they really think very little of you. They have nothing but contempt for your faith and what you have to offer. They might insult it. They might hold, uh, hold you in uh, derision and make rude comments. Insulting. You know, some might even twist the word of God. Those who aren't in the faith are great at that. And they might even say to you, well, the Bible says do not judge. You can't be talking to me. They don't know what they're talking about. They're twisting the word of God. They haven't read it in full context. And we can make a judgment about that person. And Jesus said, don't throw your pearls. But he, what he didn't say was, well, respond in kind. Insult them back. Hurt them too. No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Don't throw your pearls. And now what, where, where does it leave that person? Are they doomed? Are they ever going to be one to Jesus? Well, don't feed the pigs, but be patient. Be patient. This is uh, something that we also see in the Bible. You know, although Jesus used harsh words on the Pharisees, didn't mean they were all lost. We have the example of a man like Nicodemus. And the example that we have is he approached Jesus. He came to Jesus. He wasn't full of contempt. He wasn't insulting Jesus. He was sincere. He was genuine. He had real questions, genuine questions. Jesus did not reject him. Jesus didn't say, well, you're a Pharisee. I'm not going to talk to you. No. Nicodemus came to him. Jesus patiently waited for him. If that person in your life who ridicules your faith and insults it, wherever, whoever they are, be patient. Or they might turn like Nicodemus. Most of us here are very familiar with the account of the crucifixion of Jesus. When Jesus was crucified, we sung about it earlier, on the hill called Calvary, he wasn't alone. There were two others crucified along with Jesus. And all four of the Gospels record that. 
There was one on his right, one on his left. Jesus was in the middle. And these two that were crucified with Jesus are described as criminals, rebels, thieves. One was saved that day. Near the hour of his death, he confessed his guilt, and Jesus promised him he'd be in paradise. He's known as the penitent thief on the cross. It's odd. It's odd to think that people have been, they're being executed. They're in pain. They're in agony. They've been nailed to a cross. And they're having conversations. They're they're talking. In the pain and the agony of their situation, they are speaking to one another. What did Jesus say to these two on the on the crosses, the one to his right and one to his left. How did he evangelize them? Well, he didn't. And it might be because both of them, both of them, the thief on the left and the thief on the right, hurled insults at him. It's true that one of them was saved, but both of them began their interaction with Jesus as they were there on the crosses They both began their interactions deriding him, insulting. And both Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel tell us that. Matthew 27, verse 44 says, In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. That's both of them. Mark 15, 32 says, Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Again, both of these guys were insulting Jesus. They were crucified about 9 o'clock in the morning, the Gospels tell us. And these two criminals were piling on Jesus. Oh, you're the son of God. You can get down off the cross. Take us down. They were insulting him, just like all the, the crowd around. And what did Jesus do? He cast no pearls. He cast no pearls to those who showed contempt and insulted him. But around noon, something happened. The one criminal said to the other, this guy's innocent. This man is innocent. What we've done, we're guilty of. We are receiving our just desserts. And it's Luke's gospel that records this famous interaction of the one criminal with Jesus. Luke 23, verses 42, 43 say, then the one who rebuked the other said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now there's when Jesus finally spoke to him. They had showered Jesus with utter contempt, but he waited, he waited, didn't even speak to them. And then one came sincerely. Sometimes we have to be patient. And sometimes... We have to walk away. Jesus told his disciples, if someone doesn't listen to you, if they don't welcome you, leave that home, leave the town. Shake the dust off your feet. Don't throw your pearls. Walk away. When you walk away with what is sacred, with the pearls of salvation, again, does it mean that that person is doomed? Not necessarily. They might be full of anger. They might have nothing but disdain for you. They have nothing but disdain for Jesus. But even the littlest thing you have said before they started heaping insults on you, 
even if you just shared a few simple words before you were totally rejected, believe that the Holy Spirit can use that to convict and to convince that person. A few years ago, we did a Wednesday evening series that was called Share Jesus Without Fear. And the man that put this series together, he was sold out evangelist for Jesus Christ, but he hadn't always been that way. His former life, he was a criminal. He was uh, involved in organized crime, violence. Uh, he was a big gambler. He ran a prostitution ring. He was three times divorced, living with his fourth wife. His name was William Fay. And he wrote his conversion story. And in that story, there's a part where he said he noticed something different in Christians. So, for the first time in perhaps his life, he did something. He wrote, I did something many who do not believe in Jesus do. He went to an Easter service. And there he heard a compelling message about Christ and about peace he could have through Jesus Christ. And this is how he summed it up. I thought, oh, give me a break. And I drove home. For the next year, on and off, Christians came into my life to tell me about the person of Jesus Christ. When they did, they were insulted, persecuted, and antagonized. Many of them walked away believing they had failed. Now, there was one person he goes on to describe that he was extremely rude to, time after time. He pretended to be sincere, and he would ask this man questions. The man was a doctor, and William Fay would ask him questions about his faith. And he, he wrote this. He said, I thought, what a stupid fool. How can this idiot sit here and let me do this to him when he has a waiting room full of patients? He, he just wanted to mess him up. So he'd ask him questions. Now, it wasn't until his prostitution business was raided and he was facing hard time in prison that he reached out to a pastor he had crossed paths with Years earlier, he said he drove 85 miles to this little country church where he cried so much he left a puddle on the floor. And he wrote, I found out what it meant to know and meet Jesus Christ as both my Lord and my Savior. Now, what about all those people he had insulted and he had put down and those that had walked away? They, they might have said something that just seems so insignificant, so little, and yet, what they said, it gnawed at this guy. The, the little thing, even though he insulted them, persecuted, and they walked away. He wrote, they walked away believing they'd failed. But I never forgot the name, the face, the words of any of them who told me about the Lord Jesus. That's, sometimes a person just isn't ready to receive what we have, eternal life this precious, valuable pearl of Jesus. And we might only have the, the opportunity to share just a little thing, and then we're, then we're walking away because they're just insulting. Believe it to be a seed. Believe it to be a seed, which is how Jesus talked about spreading the good news. 
Paul would write, one plants, another waters, God provides the, the increase, we might have to walk away. But as you do, believe the Holy Spirit can work that seed into somebody, somebody who has nothing but derision and contempt for Christ, and that the Holy Spirit can work on them, like it not at this guy, William Fay, until the point that he, he turned. He called some guy he'd crossed paths with just one time. You know, as Christians, we have to make judgments. And we have to do that when it comes to even sharing our most precious possession, eternal life. But be patient, be kind. Sometimes we might even have to turn away. Now, if you're here today, or if you're listening, you're online today, and you're like, uh, you're like, you're like a guy like William Fay. You say, I don't need that Jesus stuff. I don't need eternal life. Give me a break. Remember this. There were two who were crucified with Christ. And they both began the, the morning with that same attitude. Give me a break. One was later with Christ in paradise. But the other one was lost, never turned, kept that attitude. Which one are you today? Will you turn to Jesus and say as that one rebel criminal did, I'm guilty of my sin. I'm guilty of my sin. Have mercy on me. I'm getting what I deserve. But Jesus, have mercy on me. If you're sincere about that, he's going to say, you'll be with me in paradise. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian like Peter wrote about. You're getting pulled away. You're getting pulled away. Prideful, arrogant. Have you become the fool of Proverbs 26 with that really, really rough image of a dog that returns to its vomit. Today's the day to, to repent. Come out of that. Come back to glory with a sincere heart to Jesus. I don't know if that's any of you today, but I'll invite you to stand and just pray. Give it up if it's you. If it's you that's never come to Christ, if it's you that's hold, held him in contempt, if it's you that said, give me a break, or you've called on him, but you're getting tugged away because there's some pride, let's pray. And if you have, if, if you have the attitude that you would just come down to one of these altars, someone will pray with you. And I'm not saying that you have to do that or you, know, you, if you want to privately talk to God and say, yes, I've been the prideful, arrogant one, that's fine. If you want to talk to God and say, I've been the one who said, give me a break. I've never given my heart to you. You would stand at your seat, that's fine. But if you step out and you come down, someone will pray with you. Say you're, you're going to paradise. Let's pray. God, well, thank you for your word, even the tough word, even the hard words of Jesus. 
that warn us and instruct us and direct us. Help us to be kind, discerning people, God. That we wouldn't respond to somebody like they respond to us. First and foremost, God, when we're insulted, when we're derided, when people insult our Lord Jesus, God, help us to be kind and to be patient. And even if we have to walk away to believe, Lord, you'll do something, even with a little seed we might have planted. Thank you for that, God. And Lord, if there's any here, any listening who have rejected you outright, but their heart is turning today, like a, a, a man like Mr. Fay who finally saw, I need Jesus. I need his salvation. I'm going to hell. I've been like that unrepentant thief. God, I, I just pray, Lord, that sincere heart would be softened before you. And Lord, you would, you would truly meet that person. And God, show them they can be with you in paradise. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. Lord, for, for any who've called themselves Christians, who've, as Peter wrote, they've been pulled out of the way of the world, but have turned back. God, Lord, if that's any of us, if we have pride or arrogance, if we've turned ourselves against you, Lord, if, if we're like that dog that's sniffing back to where that, that filthy pile is, God, turn us, Lord. Lord, convict our hearts to turn back to you, clean and holy, our pearl. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us. Any who need to repent, God, and turn back to you. Receive them, Jesus. Forgive them, Lord. We thank you. We thank you and we praise you. And now, God, cast your blessing on all those here. Carry them this week. Be the rock beneath their feet. Be their strong tower and their strength. Bless them and keep them, God. And we ask for those great favors in the powerful name of our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.